sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to our number two, the morning after live right here on SportsGrid, Sirius XM Channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the Spiz Grizz Network. I am Ben Stevens. A great hour two in store. It is a ceremonious day of football here on the morning after on this Tuesday. Big Ten Media Days underway in Indianapolis. Scott Frost at the podium sharing his optimism. An outlook for the Nebraska Cornhuskers in 2022. Plenty to get to around Indianapolis and college football, but also a huge day in the NFL. At today's conclusion, all 32 NFL organizations will have reported for training camp. Goodbye offseason. It's training camp time. The preseason is on the horizon with the regular season less than seven weeks away. But as we start our number two, it's also a huge Tuesday in the second half of the WNBA regular season and a top two tilt, potentially a WNBA championship series preview between the Chicago Sky and the Las Vegas Aces, the two best teams in the WNBA right now. And the line is working in favor of Chicago at home today. Two and a half earlier this morning, just about an hour ago, now three and a half in favor of the sky with an over-under booked at 170 and a hook. Let's go to the tail of the tape between these two teams to truly set the stage for today's lone matchup in the W between the top two teams in the league. Chicago owns that top spot in the standings, the reigning WNBA champions. Chicago is 21-7 and overall, just had a six-game win streak snapped in their most recent game, but still 21-7 and overall. 11-2 at home this year, where they'll host Las Vegas today. And averaging 85.6 points per game, that is second best in the WNBA, only behind the Aces, who are the league's top scoring offense. Over 90 points per game on average for Becky Hammond and her squad. Las Vegas 20-8 and overall this year, 10-3 and away from home. So again, 21-7 and for Chicago, 20-8 and overall for Las Vegas. Both teams have already clinched a playoff spot in the WNBA at this point, and there's only a one-game distinction between these two teams at the moment for that number one overall spot in the WNBA. The top two scoring offenses in the league who have already met twice throughout this WNBA regular season. One time back in late May, May 28th to be exact, in Chicago, the Aces won that game on the road 83-76 in the Shy City. But then on June 21st, in the second game, it's Chicago who goes on the road out to the desert in Vegas and wins in a high-scoring affair, 104-95 over the Aces. If we look at the recent history between these two in this regular season, you would almost think, hey, let's take the Aces, get the three and a half on the road in Chicago today, and then maybe on that money line as well, with a sprinkle on Las Vegas because the road team has been victorious outright in each 
of the first two matchups so far between Las Vegas and Chicago this year. Plus 134, that price on Vegas. We'll focus on that total in a minute. 170 and a half for the two top scoring offenses in the W. But first, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after all across the grid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio and all of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. A huge Tuesday, a very fun Tuesday. It feels like sports are back here in late July. At the end of today, all 32 NFL teams will have reported for training camp. The offseason is now in the rearview mirror. The same can be said for college football across the country. Conference media days roll on. They begin today in Indy for the Big Ten Conference. In a huge matchup in the WNBA, we are breaking down right now the top two teams in the league, including the Chicago Sky, the reigning WNBA champions, hosting the Las Vegas Aces, Chicago, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They are the top team in the league, 21-7 and seven straight up this year, a one-game advantage in the standings over the Aces, who are 20-8, and eight, booked as the road underdog today. And again, when it comes to those two top teams, they are also the two top scoring offenses, 170-and-a-half. When Chicago went on the road in the most recent matchup between these two, a total pushing well to the over, finishing with 199 combined points. But in the first matchup, when the Aces were on the road and victorious in Chicago, well to the under of this 170 in a hook, it finished with a combined 159 points. And both of these teams, Chicago, a one-game lead at the top of the WNBA standings, but it's the Aces with a 10-cent advantage as the favorites to win the WNBA championship. Las Vegas, plus 190 right now to win a WNBA title this year in 2022. Chicago, the second best price at two to one. And please, I beg of you, keep an eye on the Seattle Storm. Veterans across this team. Sue Bird's final year. Potentially Tina Charles's final year. And Tina put up 27 and 15 for Seattle over the weekend to become only the fourth player in league history to finish or to get 7,000 career points. Very historic in the Cosmos pointing to Seattle. Quickly here, a look at what we have in store. It's another win total Tuesday across the NFL with Megan Payton up next. Tons of NFL discussion and then Connor O'Gara's reactions from SEC Media Days. Come back and join us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Another win total Tuesday, live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid, of course, on a Tuesday. If it's WTT, win total Tuesday for short, that means MP, Megan Payton for long, joins the show here on the morning after. And MP, we're taking an alternate view of our win totals today because within the last week, alternate win totals have been put up on the FanDuel Sportsbook. So if you feel supremely confident in a team, you want to go over with some plus money, fantastic. If you want to fade a team on the other side of that coin, you can go under in a big way for plus money 
in a certain fashion as well. And MP, it's a great day, a celebratory day across the National Football League. By the time today is over, all 32 NFL teams will have reported for training camp. What does that mean? The offseason is over and the real season is on the horizon. Ben, this is the best time of the year. And of course, with the alternate win totals, we're always looking for another way to get some edge into yep. the game. And I love this segment that we're going to be doing. But yes, it is a great day. It is fantastic to be scrolling through Twitter and seeing different clips of different players at training camp. It means that we are here. It is no longer the offseason. And, and now we get to really start betting. These offseason bets, they're no longer months away. These are real, uh, you know, we can look at them and actually start breaking it down game yeah. by game and i'm getting very excited for it and we'll get some true x's and o's that back up these bets not just us talking heads throwing conjecture out about them but how does the depth chart shake out throughout camp will there hopefully not be but be injuries or little nicks here and there that affect what the roster looks like for a given nfl organization and mp last week we focused on the top of the top for a win total match bet between the buffalo bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the two teams with an 11 and a half for a win total. So let's go alternate reality for Buffalo, the highest win total on the board. Can they win more than 12 games? Can they go well over their regular win total of 11 and a half that already has that juice on the over at minus 135? To win at least 11 games, you can see that comparison there. That's minus 240 for them to win 11 as it stands right now, but to win 13, to go over 12 and a half, plus 130 how about a 14 and three year up in western new york that's plus 250 so mp do any of those plus money prices intrigue you on the buffalo bills Ben, I love Bills over 12, 12 and a half wins. We get some plus money because we haven't been able to find, you know, much value when it comes to Buffalo because we do expect the sport, the books to be right. We do expect the Bills to have a good season. And I, and I like, you know, 12 and a half. I think the Bills can get 13. 14 is a little bit, a little bit tricky. So I kind of broke down where I think the Bills, you know, they might come out with a loss actually. You know, this big week one game against the Rams yep. in LA, this might be, you know, a bad look for the Bills. And then you know what I'm thinking, uh, Ben, is this might affect their odds in a way that favors us, who's betting on them to do well. Smart. Because if they come Smart. out losing week one, let's bounce back week two. I think maybe we could see Buffalo uh, lose a game to the Chiefs. They might lose one to the Patriots. And then there's always some, you know, underdog game that just happens. That's okay. I like over 12 and a half. They've definitely improved their defense, bringing in Von Miller. We've talked about it over and over again. The offense that was already so dominant is going to be even more strong this year, I believe mm -hmm. so. I and mean, we know Cole Beasley left, but uh, wide receiver Jamison Crowder, I think, is going to be a good addition, someone to kind of replace Beasley's role. We know that Stephon Diggs is expected to have a great season. It's been fantastic to see the videos of them out there at training camp. They've got a ton of fans already out there. Um, and then I'm just looking at some of you know their linemen. They've got four or five starting linemen back um, on the offensive side of things. Uh, we know Von Miller is going to be the main change in the defense, but I think cornerback Tredavious White, um, he might miss the beginning due to the ACL injury. Let's get him back healthy and let's take Bills over 12 and a half wins. I like this. Let's get some plus money on Buffalo, Ben. Buffalo won 13 games in 2020. They have won double digit games each of the last three years. They have hovered around these numbers consistently 
in Western New York. And despite that AFC divisional round where it didn't seem like Buffalo could stop KC and vice versa for the Chiefs against the Bills offense, by the way, Buffalo was the top scoring defense in the NFL a season ago. And MP, we've looked at the movement on Buffalo all offseason long. The over has seen more juice on the regular win total. Now minus 135 to the over of that 11 and a half number and more movement for Buffalo in the AFC East divisional odds as well. Minus 180 just a couple of weeks ago, already a heavy odds on favorite. Now minus 220, which if they can take care and be dominant in their division, that certainly leads us to the over of 11 and a half or maybe even 12 and a half, which is interesting MP because you can look at that number. Let's say Buffalo is 13 and four. That would have been tied with the best record in the NFL a season ago. And we looked at those numbers yesterday. But it also could mean you cash another regular season market for Buffalo not to win the AFC championship, but just to be the AFC number one overall seed. And you can correlate an alternate win total over to that exact market where the Bills are plus 280 as the favorites. MP nearly $4 ahead of the rest of the field. So it's all about correlating even with those alternate win totals on the Buffalo Bills. Exactly, Ben. And there's a reason why, uh, you know, everyone thinks so highly of the Bills is because I mean, you look at what Josh Allen has done for this Bills offense. The Buffalo Bills five years ago, they were as they were the Jets. They were a team. Yep. They were the Texans. They were a team you just never would think could even have a winning season, let alone take it to the playoffs, take it to the Super Bowl. And, and I believe what head coach Sean McDermott has done there in Buffalo with Josh Allen, with their offense. And then, as you said, you know, already a decently strong defense. You add in uh, top players like Von Miller. It, you expect them to do well and you look at the divisional game against the Chiefs and you say that was luck in reality that is why they weren't you know going after an AFC title uh, against the Bengals is because of the way the rules were set up so I, I like the way the odds are looking for Buffalo I like to find any way to get some plus money because as you said they're minus money to win their division if you look plus 280 it really doesn't seem super high when you're looking at just AFC number one seed so right now the alternate win totals is I'd say the best way to get some juice into Buffalo in a way where you don't necessarily have to bet against every team in the AFC and do what MB just did right there when she took you through the schedule. The Bills start off with a grueling seven-game stretch to begin their regular season. But you got to go through. You got to find your numbers to make sure it all adds up to an over of 12 and a half or 11 and a half. Now, listen, Megan, I don't mean to throw shade at the GOAT and Tom Brady and try to denigrate what they will do in 2022. But it's just an exercise to show you the under possibilities of the alternate win totals as well. Tampa was 13 and four a season ago, tied for that best regular season record. Their win total this year, 11 and a half, even juice on both the over and the under at minus 110. But they didn't go over 11 and a half. They finished with 11 regular season wins when they won the Super Bowl in 2022 so maybe father time catches up with tom brady about to turn 45 years old in his 23rd nfl campaign and you want to go to that under with some plus money i'm not sure i bet against tom but maybe somebody out there would megan yeah, but I, I was so tempted looking at this alternate win total to say, all right, let's find a way to go the under. But Ben, fun fact, the last time Tom Brady won 10 
or less games was in 2009. That is how long Tom Brady has found a way to get at least 11 wins. So it is hard for me to bet against him. Now, having said that, we need to see a healthy Leonard Fournette. Um, we also need to see him get back in shape, apparently. Let's get wide right. receiver Chris Godwin out there feeling better. And I think, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the Bucks found a way to go 13 and four last season. Let's find a way for yeah. them to win. I'm sorry. I can't bet against Tom Bet on this one. What a great, great stat right there, MP. 2009 doesn't seem all that long ago, but it's 13 years ago. Tom Brady was in his 30s. That's crazy to think about. The Bucs, the favorites in the NFC Championship because of that lofty win total of 11 and a half, plus 320, that favored number on Tampa. MP comes back for a second straight segment up next here on the Morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We stay in today's alternate reality. Even looking at win totals on this win total Tuesday for the upcoming NFL 2022 season, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Training camp starts all across the league in all 32 NFL organizations today. Tons to get to on this win total Tuesday with Megan Payton. We are going to have bold predictions right now. Our favorite alternate win totals across the board not just a team that we think will perform well go over that regular number but over exceed expectations in 2022 mp you are our guest here on the morning after please begin with your favorite alternate win totals for the upcoming year in the nfl Ben, we are going to start strong here, and we're going to start bold here. We are starting with the New York Jets and the New York Jets to win over six and a half games at plus Ooh. 120. The regular team Ooh. win totals at five and a half. So here we go. Here's my big old spiel on the New York Jets. We're going to see a much improved Zach Wilson. He's going to come back more accurate. He's going to bring down the interceptions. The arm strength is going to be there. We're going to mm. see some connection with wide receiver Elijah Moore. We're going to see Brees Hall have a great rookie campaign. Let's get the run game going. Sauce Gardner is going to come out strong for the defense. He's going to get double-digit receptions. We are going to see defensive Ooh. tackle Quinnen Williams have a much more improved year after an off year in 2021. Let's get double-digit sacks, and the Jets are going to get to seven wins. The Jets are going to beat the Browns in week two. They're going to come away with a win against the Dolphins. They're going to beat the Bears in week 12. They're going to go through a slump early on in the season, but then week yeah. 13, they're going to beat the Vikings, Ben. We're going to see them beat the Lions Ooh. in week 15. The Jets are going to beat the Jags in week 16. The Jets are going to beat the Seahawks in week 17, and oh. then they are going... No, that's it. That's seven. And then that's the that's Jets seven. will Don't end it. up at seven wins. They will still be last in the division, 
but the New York Jets will not be the worst team in the National Football League, Ben. And then we've got the Steelers that I have to mention on. The Steelers, I'm going over eight and a half wins. Not as fun of a big spiel here, but Pittsburgh has not had a losing season since head coach Mike Tomlin has been there since 2007. I think that we're not giving enough credit to running back Najee Harris. The Steelers had a very young offensive line last year. I think they're going to get more comfortable with each other. Whether it's Mitch Trubisky under center or Kenny Pickett under center I expect Mike Tomlin and the Steelers organization to find a way to make it work get them to at least nine wins to me this isn't a hard bet I think the defense is going to improve more we know how much money and how much faith they have in Minka Fitzpatrick I like Pittsburgh to have a winning season but my favorite one here Ben is the New York Jets I like this one the New York Jets going with your mom's favorite quarterback in Zach Wilson. I like the bet right there, MP, and I like how you laid out the schedule. Week 15, 16, and 17, I believe you said. A three-game win streak for the New York Jets late in the year. Megan is going to be sweating out that alternate over for the New York Jets at six and a half with plus money. And again, I don't think we can highlight this enough on this show. The Pittsburgh Steelers, 15 years under Mike Tomlin, 15 years under the same head coach, have won at least eight games all 15 of those seasons. So, yeah, over that regular win total of seven and a half. And to get one more win, which they did a season ago, nine, seven, and one, or way over that in 2020 to appear in the postseason, each of the last two years, six of the last eight years in Pittsburgh, is not all that shocking. And look at the plus money on the over of eight and a half. It's plus 170. And you cannot tell me with a straight face that either Mitchell Trubisky or the rookie in Kenny Pickett from a quarterback production standpoint, maybe not consistency, but quarterback production standpoint is that far, if any, of a drop-off from Ben Roethlisberger toward the later portion of his career. Not taking away from the Hall of Fame career of Ben Roethlisberger and what he did in his many, many years, nearly two decades in a Steelers uniform, but just the last two seasons. MP, I love what you did here. These are bold predictions with our alternate win totals and the overs that we like. I also took two overs, and you and I are going with four teams that make up four of the seven hardest schedules based on win total projections for 2022. So not only are we confident they go over, they're going to have to do so against a very hard slate. We have highlighted the Pittsburgh Steelers throughout this offseason. Now as training camp gets underway, the offseason gives way to the preseason and camp. We've also highlighted the Cincinnati Bengals out of the AFC North. A win total at 9.5. The over has the juice at minus 130. Give me Cincy over 10.5 at plus 140. Now, when the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl a season ago, they only won 10 regular season games. They have not won 11 regular season games at least since 2015 they won 12 that year and it was a very different Bengals team of course than Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon and everybody on the defensive side of the football as well please pay Jesse Bates it would make me feel a lot better about this over of 10 and a half but again the narrative that Cincinnati is going to negatively regress because they over exceeded expectations a season ago and that they have to come back down to earth given what they've done the last three decades of NFL football is blasphemy to me. I think last year was a start and it's only further improvement for Joe Burrow and the Bengals this year. I'll take the plus money and a shot at the over of 10 and a half. And I know MP 
is with me here on the Las Vegas Raiders. A regular win total, eight and a half. One of my favorite overs of the entirety in the National Football League this year. And to win nine and a half, or to go over nine and a half, to win 10 games this year at plus 150, the Raiders won 10 games a season ago and only got way better this offseason as well with Devontae Adams on one side, Chandler Jones on the other, solidified that front four, front seven for the Raiders under new head coach Josh McDaniels. I'll take the over at plus 150 of the alternate win total for the Raiders at nine and a half. The autumn wind is a Raider. Something I will be saying all season long in the NFL. Ben, I think this is uh, the team we agree the most on because as I'm coming up with my favorite alternate win totals, I'm writing down, all right, you know, oh, I, I like the Raiders here and I'm coming up with my notes. And then I check the rundown and I'm like, oh, what did Ben choose, by the way, for his favorites? And now I see the Las Vegas Raiders. So we are on the same page here. So I took that off and I agree with you that the Raiders over eight and a half is absolutely doable. So then you look at the Raiders over nine and a half. And I think that they are the team that is getting slept on the most in the AFC West. And we talk about the Broncos. We talk about the Chargers, the Chiefs. But what are we not seeing in the Raiders? What are we not seeing in Devontae Adams reunited with Derek Carr? By the way, the shout out that Devontae Adams gave to Derek Carr saying that he was a future (laughs) Hall of Famer. I I don't know about that. But that's just the connection that we are already seeing in Vegas. Now, the Bengals, I think, is another great uh, perspective because it's it's so interesting in the league. Whenever you've got a team that makes such a good run and goes to the Super Bowl, the people are so quick to go on the route of, hey, that was just a one-year fluke. They're going to you know, digress yep. you know, this year. There's no way they can run it back. And maybe the Bengals don't make it to the Super Bowl, not because of how you know good or bad their team is, just because we know how difficult that is to do year after year. But you look at Cincy's team as a whole, and to me, they only look better than they did last year. The offensive line, Ben, was you know, probably their weakest link. And then they spent a lot of the offseason figuring that out, bringing in new players, getting rid of some of the ones that just weren't maybe improving the way they'd like it. Joe Burrow, the protection they need. And to me, I'd say any day I take the Bengals over there because not to mention, Ben, what division are they in? The AFC North in a division that I do not think is anywhere near as competitive as the AFC West. As much as I just backed the Steelers right there, I don't think that they have a chance against the Bengals. And we know the Browns situation is crazy up in the air right now. I'm not huge on the Ravens, to be honest. And so the Bengals finding a way to, uh, you know, have a very successful postseason and get over in that alternate win total, I really think it can be done. Listen, since he had the second highest QB sack percentage in the NFL, Joe Burrow was sacked nine times in that divisional round game against the Titans, and they still won. You bring in a guy like Lyle Collins to solidify that offensive line and fill a bunch of gaps, give me the Bengals over nine and a half. And MP, I'm glad you bring up the AFC West because that's part of the reason I would say the Raiders are being overlooked and undervalued potentially in the offseason marketplaces. It's because of the optimism on Chargers with their fancy new additions defensively and Justin Herbert entering year number three and Brandon Staley, I don't know how to manage a two-minute drive yet. I'm going to win coach of the year for a second consecutive season. And Russell Wilson makes his way in that blockbuster deal to the Mile High City. Well, what if they falter? Maybe we fade the Chargers and the Broncos, both with a win total at nine and a half. Those have come down, by the way, in the offseason and look to alternate unders there is a way of playing that quickly here mp let's finish 
with the NFC West because we got a really interesting story yesterday with Kyler Murray's huge contract <laughs> extension. Five years, $230.5 million, 160 guaranteed. Yet Kyler Murray has a, hey man, study the playbook and film in his contract clause. An independent study of four hours a week. Pretty much when your middle school teacher tells you do your homework or you get detention. That's what the Cardinals had to put in Kyler's contract, MP. Your thoughts on that interesting wrinkle yesterday? Absolutely terrible, Ben. I mean, yes, they, you know, happy for Kyler Murray that the guy, he got the contract done, he got paid, but this is it's a bad look for Kyler Murray. It's a terrible look for the Cardinals. And to me, it makes me even more confident on not betting anything Arizona right now because they, mm. to me, seem like they're in a mess right now. And if you have to tell your quarterback to go home and study, it's probably not a great start as you enter into the season. You have to write it in the contract, by the way, not even just tell them. I don't like it. I don't like it at all, MP. Maybe alternate win unders for the Cardinals. Thank you so much, MP. More TMA up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Football is very, very close. All 32 NFL teams report to camp today and conference media days continue around the country. Last week, it was the ACC and the SEC. The Big 12 the week before that. Today in Indianapolis, Big 10 media days gets underway. The Pac-12 tomorrow. We've got the Sun Belt starting today. We had other conferences like the Mountain West last week. Football on the collegiate level is very, very close in on the horizon. And last week, for what is known as SEC Media Days, and the day does need to be plural because it's really SEC Media Week, four days in Atlanta, Georgia, Saturday down south. National football columnist Connor O'Gara was there for all four in Atlanta, and he joins the morning after right now. COG, have you rested? Have you recuperated from a busy week in the ATL? Not enough, man. It, it was a great week in Atlanta. The start of SEC Media Days for me is is always the the signal that football is actually here. Getting to see talking season in the SEC, everybody feels like they have a quarterback, so that kind of adds to this belief that everybody's getting disrespected all week. Everybody was coming out with different quarterback rankings, so we just got to have content galore from that. It was a great week in Atlanta, man. I love SEC Media Days. Everybody gives the SEC crap because it's four days. Our mutual friend Dustin Schuette hates the fact that it's four days. Does it need to be four days? Probably not. Yeah. But you know what? Four days in Atlanta talking about football beats two days in Atlanta talking about football and then not having, you know, whatever, you know, those Wednesday and Thursday. I, I would probably rather be in Atlanta doing that than doing anything else. Yeah. Listen, it's the dog days of summer, especially on the sports calendar. If you want to elaborate on football a little bit, nobody's going to fault you, especially in the conference where it just means more. So, Connor, did you hear or see or experience anything in Atlanta that has you evaluating the SEC looking to this upcoming season any differently than you did before last week's SEC media days? Well, I think just seeing all these quarterbacks in person, you realize, like, man, a lot of these teams that just have 
really historically not had those guys, Kentucky, Arkansas, Tennessee, feel like they, they have their guy. And that, that's a, that, that, that can fuel optimism in a way that few things can. When you have a quarterback, you have a chance. And there are a lot of different SEC teams who, man, like right now, I think there are seven to eight SEC programs who feel like they have one of the 10 best quarterbacks in all of college football. Even somebody like Anthony Richardson, who had two games last year with double-digit pass attempts and was kind of you know, frustratingly behind Emory Jones for too much of the season, I think even somebody like him, Florida fans are really optimistic about what he can be. So a lot of the conversation related to football that wasn't related to NIL or realignment or tampering, transfer portal, it was related to the quarterback position and what these teams are going to be able to do. But, man, I'm sipping a lot of Kool-Aid. I'm I'm sipping some Tennessee Kool-Aid right now, for better or for worse, the Big Orange Kool-Aid has been known to choke many a man. And I just Uh-oh. hope that I'm not the next person to to fall victim to that and keel over because I drank too much of it. Is Connor O'Gara singing Rocky Top while he's taking showers right now? We'll have to get to that conversation in just a second. From the odds perspective, Alabama remains the odds-on favorite at minus 140 to win the SEC championship yet again. Georgia plus 160. Those two, as you can see, a clear distinction ahead of the rest of the SEC field. So let's focus on the path for the reigning national champs, the Georgia Bulldogs, to get back to that SEC championship game. Georgia is minus 550 to win the SEC East. It's better odds than Alabama's minus 400 number to win the SEC West. You mentioned the Tennessee Orange Kool-Aid, one of those teams out of the East Division that might provide a challenge to Georgia. They are plus 1,400, are the Volunteers, to win the SEC East Division. Kentucky has the second-best odds at 12-1, to 1, and Florida and Anthony Richardson, the fourth-best price at 16-1. to 1. So, Connor, if it is Tennessee, in your mind, to provide UGA that toughest test this year from the East Division, why are you so high on the balls? Look, I'm not saying Tennessee is going to win the East. Georgia's going to win the East. That all... Yep. You know, barring – I can't even see a scenario in which they, they don't win the East. Kirby Smart's 27-2 against the East in the last five years, okay? The, the lone loss – that the lone losses were the, the South Carolina game, which everybody thinks that Georgia's just going to lose this random game every year to a far inferior opponent like it's Ohio State, even though it's not. And then the Florida game in 2020, which that Florida team had the number one passing attack in the country. They were loaded. Georgia was going through a transition year. You get it. So – I think that Georgia is a lock to win the division. Having said that, Tennessee, as I said on Paul Feinbaum's show last week, I think is going to beat Georgia this year. And here's why. I think Georgia's weakness, what Kirby Smart has admitted, is at cornerback. I think Tennessee can attack Georgia in a way that few teams can. With Hendon Hooker, who returns as one of the best 10 quarterbacks in all of college football after he had a 31-3 TDI and T ratio last year, was in the top four nationally in quarterback rating, one of the better running quarterbacks in college football as well. He has Cedric Tillman. He has what, in my opinion, is one of the top maybe four receivers returning in the country. If you don't have Cedric Tillman on your short list of best receivers in college football, your list is incomplete. 
Okay, that's just the way I feel about it. Jalen Hyatt's a guy that they expect a lot from. All Josh Heupel does is crank out top 10 offenses. He's had four consecutive top 10 offenses. Even if they're bad defensively and if they're like number 90 nationally, that's a team that can still be nine and three, perhaps eight and four. But the big hurdle, and this is the, the big thing that I'm working against here, it's not just that Tennessee is four and is is four and thirty five against their three biggest rivals in the post Fulmer era. That's like four and thirty five against the likes of Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. It's the fact that Tennessee has lost twenty eight consecutive games to AP top five teams. Twenty eight mm. consecutive games. Their last win against the top five team was two thousand five against LSU. That that's it. That's seventeen years. So I'm working against that. I realize it, but you know what? I'm stepping the Kool Aid. I'm on the record. Listen, it's a bold prediction time of year. And right now we have the early look ahead line on the FanDuel Sportsbook for that November 5th Saturday matchup between Georgia and Tennessee in Athens, where UGA is a 15 and a half point favorite. Connor, are you going to take the Vols with the points or are you going to just take Tennessee on that money line with the outright upset? I got to take the money line, right? I don't really have have a choice here. I, I'd go with the outright upset uh, uh, with the outright upset for for the points that that I just listed there. I don't know so much that that Georgia is one of these teams that's going to matter so much home and road. I think this mm-hmm. is about what they could potentially face from an offensive standpoint. I have this this vision in my head of 2018 Mizzou. Yeah, was it 2018 or maybe it was no, it was 2017 Mizzou. That's when it was with Drew Locke in this game in which he was throwing the ball all over the yard in Athens in the first half of that game. Who's his offensive coordinator, you ask? Josh Heupel. That system, I think, can push Georgia a bit. Cedric Tillman went off against Georgia last year. Obviously, it didn't necessarily result in a win, and they struggled after the first quarter. That's Tennessee's big thing. They could score a touchdown against the 85 Bears in the first quarter, and then afterwards, second, third quarter, it's a little bit tougher. But I think against this Georgia team, they can push them. Georgia doesn't necessarily have that depth at corner. They have Keely Ringo, the national championship hero. But outside of that, I think there are some mismatches that Tennessee can take advantage of with a mobile quarterback who can stretch the field in that scheme like Hendon Hooker can. I think that's where they're ultimately able to get them. And I think that Tennessee wins that game money line in a shootout. I love it. Only one team scored more than two touchdowns against Georgia's vaunted defense last year. In the regular season, it was Tennessee. They put up 17 points. The Vols top seven in scoring offense, the seventh best in the country, nearly 38 points per game. The seventh best total offense as well, nearly 480 yards per game on average a season ago. So let's flip it over to the SEC West. It feels like we were going to get something out of Jimbo Fisher last week in terms of talking season. He was a little bit calmer than he was after Nick Saban took his shots at Texas A&M's recruiting last week at SEC Media Days. But what should the expectation be, Connor O'Gara, in your mind for the Aggies this year in 2022? As we show this graphic here of where the odds stack up for A&M this upcoming season, eight and a half for a win total, the over has the juice, 18 to one to win the conference, the third best odds in the SEC, or 25 to one to win that national title, the sixth best price, which of these, in your mind, will mean the most for success for Texas A&M in 2022? I'm leaning eight and four 
I am. And that's the default answer for AM. And I know there are a lot of people in the way too early polls who are asking the question can AM be next? Can they win their first national championship since 1939? I've been saying for a while, I think AM is going to be the most overrated team in college football entering this season. And I'm sticking with that. And it didn't exactly get better for them with the, the news that Anaya Smith was arrested right before he was supposed to represent AM at SEC Media yep. Days. Not great for a team that in my opinion, just does not have that depth at the pass catching options. And they have a new starting quarterback, whether that's Haynes King, who has roughly five quarters worth of experience of experience at the FBS level. And then Max Johnson, a guy who had the most casual 27 to six TD die and T ratio in college football history last season at LSU. I don't know which one is going to be able to gel in Jimbo Fisher's offense. Jimbo Fisher hasn't had a top 30 passing offense since Jameis Winston. This belief that a quarterback is going to step in there and light the world on fire, I'm not necessarily on board with. They had the number three defense in college football last year, and I think it went to waste. And they lost so much from that front seven to Marvin Leal, Jaden Peavy, these guys who were just so important for them up front and allowed them to really succeed against a team like Alabama. That's why they won that game. And obviously, Zach Calzada had an out-of-body experience. But I think AM's overrated coming into the year. I'd be more comfortable saying that they're like an 8-4 and four team. I think that division is really, really good. Once again, the SEC West is the best division in college football until further notice. I'm not on board with them having an outside chance to be able to win the SEC championship. Now, AM and Alabama exchanged that war of words between Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban earlier this offseason because of AM's best-ever recruiting class, for the class of 2022 but the three years before that top 10 in college station as well the talent is there soon enough for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies that success on the field will have to follow suit all right let's go to the longest of shots COG in the SEC South Carolina Missouri and Vanderbilt have the three longest odds to win the conference somebody voted for Vandy to win the conference in the media poll but they have a two and a half win total and the under has heavy juice do any of these three teams have any chance of making noise this upcoming year in the SEC uh South Carolina's got the best chance because the unknown of Spencer Radler and Marcus Satterfield's offense is really intriguing they have weapons Jaheim Bell DK Joyner Josh Van they have, they have some nice weapons. Austin Stogner, who came over from Oklahoma with Spence, rather. They have some weapons. They need to be able to improve defensively, stopping the run, if they're going to be able to get over that. I would say South Carolina, you know, being able to, to, to win more than, than six and a half games is most intriguing. They're kind of that next up team. And Shane Beamer has a lot of buzz. They're the ultimate good vibes team in college football this offseason. So yep. I'm a believer that South Carolina is going to be that team. A bowl team a season ago, a victory in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, a mayonnaise celebration in Gatorade Bath Dump on their head coach for the Gamecocks in Shane Beamer, a viral TikTok sensation. Our sensation here is Connor O'Gara, a national football columnist for Saturday Down South. Thank you for the preview for the SEC in 2022. Absolutely. Anytime, man. We can't wait to see what happens this college football season. Pay attention to Rocky Top. That's what Connor has to say. We round out the show with a bye-bye-bye best bet next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Closing out our two hours together here live on the morning after on this Tuesday on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM, all across the Sports Grid Network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Tons of baseball on this Tuesday MLB slate. I think you can make an argument for the Mets as the home underdog in the Subway Series opener against the Yankees today. Just look at that money line price. But we bet baseball all the time. Let's look at another area. It's a big day for football, but no actual games to make a wager on today. So that can't be our best bet either. We talked about it to open up our number two. A top two tilt in the W between the two best teams in the WNBA. The top team in the league, the Chicago Sky. A one-game advantage in the standings over the Las Vegas Aces. Both teams have already clinched a playoff berth. Is this a preview of the WNBA Finals? We'll discuss before we say farewell and before we say goodbye. It's time for a WNBA best bet. It's time for Bye Bye Bye. This will be the third regular season matchup this year between the Aces and the Sky. The road team has been victorious in each of the first two games. The Aces in Chicago, the Sky return the favor in the desert. Las Vegas is in Chicago again today, where the Sky booked as a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. However, we look at the total. The two top teams in the standings, the two top teams from the betting odds, and the two top scoring offenses in all of the WNBA. We go over 170 and a half. Now, in the most recent matchup, when Chicago was in Vegas, the offense was at an all-time high, 104-95, the final in favor of Chicago. The Aces averaged more than 90 points per game. The Sky averaged more than 85 points per game. We go over 170 and a half for a marquee matchup in the WNBA on this Tuesday. Thank you for joining us on the morning after. It starts each and every weekday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens, and we'll talk tomorrow.